All right, so I made a little Google Sheet where we could add topics that we're thinking of discussing for the podcast. And we had this just nice, deep episode last week where we talked about our favorite heist films and the structure of narrative. What does Dan add to the list of things to talk about? That's the name of the podcast this week. What? Random Neural Firings. What did Dan add to the list? What did you add to the list? Well... So he sent me this, and it was like, here, I think these are some fascinating topics that we could discuss. And they were broken down into categories like art and film. And I added an extra category that was random weird stuff and said, hey, there was this survey about different people who think that they could take animals in a fight. Let's talk about that. So on today's episode, <laughs> we are going to talk about which animals Dan and Brandon think that they could fight. Oh, and man. about this survey, we're gonna we'll include a link to the survey in the uh, liner notes. But we'll do, I hope, a pretty good job of representing this I, survey I to hope. you. I don't know if we'll do a good job of representing the human race in this <laughs> battle of physical prowess. Mm. So there's like three charts on this page. First of all, is which animals do you think could beat other animals or whatever? And it ends up being like a list of toughest animals yeah the yeah. toughest animals in order as mm -hmm. perceived by humans yep starting with elephant at the top and goose at the bottom elephant with a 74 percent and goose at a 14 percent. and we'll talk about these charts each but dan's going to tell you what the other two charts yeah, so are. so the, the the other chart is the one that cracks me up the most which is just the percent of americans that think they could beat a given animal in a fight mm -hmm. and then the third chart is that same thing but broken up by gender and it was just really interesting to me how wide the disparity was in gender on some of these. So I read through this, and one of the things that I found fascinating, what percentage of Americans think they can beat a grizzly bear in a fight? Um, <laughs> and what percentage didn't think they could beat a house cat in a fight? Yeah. Um, I'm more shocked by the house cat one, honestly. 72% of Americans thought they could beat a rat in yes. a fight. Which, Which means 28%, more than a fourth of the people they talk to are like, nope, I'm going to lose a fight against a rat. Like, under what circumstances I mean, are there you going to lose a fight against a rat? I picked house cat because there are people who have phobias mm -hmm. of mice. Okay. I don't know that a quarter of the population has a phobia of mice, but maybe, like, you know, my wife wants, like, she likes doing daring things. She's like, she wants to go skydiving. She's not mm -hmm. a person who has a lot of fear, but when a mouse shows up, she is freaked out by that animal. And her response is, find some way to kill it as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, especially if it's like menacing her children in but some way. But this says unarmed. My wife uses mouse traps. She isn't going to go against a mouse unarmed. Okay. So that's why I list I, I picked house cat since, yeah. you know, around... Okay, so, so house cat is 69% of yes. Americans think they could beat a house cat. So 31%. 31% are like, nope, I'm losing that fight. So is that because they love cats too much and they would never raise a hand against one? You know, I hadn't even thought of that. That's plausible, isn't it? it it's, it's ridiculous because cats are the worst and I hate them, but it is plausible that I do recognize that most people like cats. So we have two and a half cats <laughs> at my house. I say a half because my sister-in-law, Kathy... Mm -hmm. she helps out around the house. She's Emily's assistant. Yes. And when she comes to work in the mornings, her cat follows and comes into the house and avails himself of all of the things in the house that are for our cats. 
um, and or birds, since Magellan does consider the cat tower his. Okay. Uh, if there is a cat on the cat tower and he gets out, he will go and let the cat know they're not supposed to be on his cat tower, his macaw mm-hmm. tower, I should say. But regardless, <laughs> we have two and a half cats, and there is a mouse in our house right now. Really? One of our cats has been spending the last week sitting and crouched and looking underneath the dishwasher okay. for a good week. And so all of us are like, oh, I guess we have a mouse. And lo and behold, Emily saw the mouse today, quickly shut the door to the pantry where the mouse was, and locked the mouse in the pantry, and then started throwing cats in. <laughs> So what we have here is unarmed woman arms herself with another animal on the list. Okay. In order to attack cousin of one of the animals on the list. And none of those cats did anything about the mouse. None of them. Now our this old- This was their big chance. Yes. Our old Tomcat, he should have been the one, but he f- hunts when he's outside even still. Mm-hmm. But inside, inside is where we feed him. And yeah. he was just not interested. The young spry... He's, he's a trophy hunter. Yes. He's a sport hunter. Yes, he's not going to do our dirty work. Yeah. The young spry tomcat that is Kathy's cat, he just sat at the door and meowed, like, why did you lock me in here? Let me out. And our dear Freya, the closet cat, do you know about Freya? I don't closet know cat. Freya. Freya is the cat who made the trip to our house as a kitten, a feral kitten, mm-hmm. who climbed inside my sister's wheel well or bumper or something. She was, It was in her garage. She found a cat in there and locked the door and went, was going around the neighborhood to see if anyone had the cat. But then she opened it and thought she saw it escape. Okay. She didn't. It climbed into her car. She saw something else. She drove to our house. This kitten... Got out of the car. Drove from how far away? Mm, well, how far away are you guys, Adam? Uh, about 15 miles. Okay, 15 so miles. we're not talking Idaho. No, but okay. 15 miles. Okay. And then it hid under the grill at our house outside. And we saw the cat and got a trap from the police and trapped the cat. And it was feral, very feral. Mm-hmm. But my wife decided it was her cat. She doesn't like cats. But she knew that if this cat was going to be sent to the pound, it would just be put to sleep right it did not like people it was terrified of them it was not a good pet Mm -hmm. so she decided that she would tame it and it named freya lived in our closet for like six months as emily would bring it food and tame it and for a feral it was nice it never attacked anyone it just Mm -hmm. hid and hissed and at the end of six months was a house cat who climbed in her lap and now everywhere she goes it will follow her and climb in her lap there you go but the most worthless cat for catting that you would imagine <laughs> thrown in there. She was scared of the mouse. So you talk about cats being the worst. And I have to mention that our three cats were unable to deal with one mouse today. One mouse. Yes. You know, in the unfortunate periods of my life in which I have owned a cat, they've been great hunters, but we've never had to deal with one in the house. So I actually don't know how my cats would have done against. Yes. You like to lock cats out in the threat. cold, despite your crying children who beg you to let the kitties you know come what? inside i'll lock the kids out in the cold too if they like cats that much i've just lost whatever sponsorship contract we had yeah yeah good, someone's good complaining luck, uh, finding like, us what? an advertiser for this one adam how dare you windex support this podcast with an animal hater cats are the worst anyway i'm surprised by how little respect people have for geese on these lists because a goose, gooses are mean, mean. But I can take a goose. Come on, you can take a goose. Okay, 
So maybe I am overestimating a goose because mm-hmm. I know in the Middle Ages, swans yes. were commonly kept as watch animals yes. because they were as good or better than dogs at defending a home. And so maybe I'm just assuming that a goose would be similarly deadly. Like even a chicken. Cockfighting is a thing for a reason. Chickens are nasty. All right, is a goose really so... just like the Donald Duck of the bird world? No, no, of course not. But here's the thing. When I read this list, the first thing that popped through my mind is, I'm going up to the first list. That's like, what's okay. the toughest thing? The toughest ones. And the goose is the very bottom. And the human is right above it. It's 17% tough. Yeah. It's worth pointing out on this particular mm-hmm. list, house cats and rats are not there. Yes. Goose is the floor and then unarmed human. And I read this and I thought, people thinking about how tough a human is compared to the other animals do not understand how tough humans are. Human beings are incredibly dangerous. We are the supreme apex predator for a purpose. And you might say, well, Brandon, yes, but if you're unarmed, what are you going to do? Well, it will take me approximately two seconds to become armed because (laughs) any place you put a human, they will arm themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can drop them in without a weapon. That makes perfect sense. So if this is a pure cage fight, In a sterile environment, so there's no chance of you getting a weapon. Then maybe they go down, but you can't do that because that's basically saying you have to declaw the lion, right? You're going to take away the human's adaptations to their environment entirely. Mm -hmm. Then why are you making this list? It it makes no sense. It has to be dropped into an environment. You can have no tools with you. I think that that's a legit thing. Yeah. But like they have on here horse where is horse horse is actually pretty close to the bottom it's at 33 percent though so double a human i think that any adult human can take a horse you think you could beat a horse in a fight absolutely i put you in a maze you put me in an environment and i dig a pit and i throw rocks at the horse until it falls in the pit (laughs) right like it is not hard to dig a pit deep enough that a horse will stumble and break its leg that, I guess, is true. I think any herbivore on this list, except for the big African herbivores, right? Like the the elephant, I guess Indians count there, but you know, the rhinoceros, yeah. the hippopotamus. Any herbivore on this list, a human being can just easily take. You just dig a hole, you climb up somewhere and throw rocks at it. You can bring down any of those animals. Yeah. Given, think- given the time and the yeah. tools, I think you're right. But time and tools, like, that's what human beings, like, what do we have? We have three adaptations that, like, we can make tools, we can think strategically, and we have enormous endurance. Yeah. Um, If you're saying the human being can't use its enormous endurance, then, okay, we'll make the alligator, we'll drop it from the air, you know, you're going to have to fight him in midair. You're going to take the alligator out of its environment and not let it use any of its adaptations? Okay, in that case... I love how you were trying to make this more ridiculous and Mm -hmm. just made it awesome. Yeah. So I think you have to let the humans use their strengths, which is if I'm going to beat any of these animals, it's not going to be... So this is not a one-on-one fisticuffs. It totally can be, but I'm going to run from the fisticuffs and then beat it in another way. Okay. Now, there are animals on this list that I legitimately think... Like the average human just has no chance because they're aggressive, Mm -hmm. right? If the animal's coming after you and not letting you use your adaptations, then you're just going to, yeah, you're just a goner. And that's why I wouldn't rank the human above the elephant, the rhinoceros, the grizzly bear, the lion, the hippopotamus, 
or the polar bear, which is shockingly low on this list. The smaller cats, though, like a jaguar, I think most humans can beat. I bet almost... Maybe. Here's the thing yeah. about a jaguar, though. Mm -hmm. If we're letting them use their natural skills yes. and abilities, mm -hmm. you're not going to see the jaguar until That's it's true. too late. Well, I don't know. You've seen that thing with the cougar. Did you see that? Which? Last year, there was a hiker in Utah that a cougar stalked and things. Oh. And there's a chance you won't see it until it's too close, but there's a decent chance. We're really good at spotting motion. We are really good at seeing that something's... And so this hiker saw the cougar. It had gotten between the cougar and her cubs, which was a bad move. Mm -hmm. Filmed the whole thing and scared the cougar off by throwing rocks at it at just kind of the right moment and things yeah. like that, right? Like the smaller the cat gets, like cheetahs, I believe there are no documented deaths by humans from cheetahs. I think that's probably true. Because cheetahs get small enough. That's, that's like the dividing line where a cheetah is just too scared of a human. All of these cats, the big cats included, they are bursts of energy predators, right? They need to overwhelm and kill something very quickly, and they are very opportunistic. They don't go for something that can fight and hurt them back because they're too fragile. I think a lion is still going to take a human. I think a tiger is still going to take a human. But when you get to those mid-sized cats, you know, the step between cheetah and tiger, I don't know. I think a lot of humans are going to be able to throw rocks at that thing until it just does not want to fight anymore. And then, you know, set a trap for it. Crush it with a rock. I do want to propose a new title for the podcast, yes. which is I Could Totally Take a Horse. <laughs> uh, Signed, Brandon Sanderson. You said that. I have not said I that. I did not say that I could take a horse. You, You're the one who said you, you could just beat said a that. horse in a fight. Ah, I said I could beat a horse in a fight. Okay. So here's the thing about tigers. In India, in mm -hmm. the jungles of India, there are, you know, the people who are working there out in the jungles and harvesting or whatever it is yes. they're doing. And they kept getting attacked by tigers. And I read this a couple years ago that they basically just made human masks and wore them backwards. Yes, I read about so that So then as well. the tigers could never sneak up behind them because they're like, this thing has two faces. Yep. And so I think that, yes, we have to admit that uh, even the predators are fairly easy to trick or intimidate. But when it comes to actually beating it in a fight, I don't know if, I, I, th I think you're right. I think tigers, lions... Well, here's, here's the thing. The other thing is studying predator behavior. Their hunger level determines, like there's a calculation going on in that animal's brain determining they know anything they attack could potentially kill them. Because mm -hmm. in the wild, anything you go after, there's a chance it's going to kill you. There's yeah. a reason why they say, you know, don't feed live rats to your boa constrictor, right? Mm -hmm. Even small ones, because animals are adapted to survive and your rat is not going to do well against your boa most of the time but there's a decent chance it gets a bite off and it infects that boa and that boa dies from it i had a friend in high school who had two snakes in a little terrarium and two little brand new kitties and then one day she came home from school and the terrarium lid was off and they couldn't find the snakes anywhere and feared the worst. And they found one snake sleeping happily with a kitty-sized lump inside of it. And they found one kitty just kind of licking the blood off of its paws next to a dead snake. Yeah. And so these predators all 
have this calculation going on in their brain and their hunger level will determine what mm-hmm. they try to attack. And you hear this a lot with birds of prey. It carried off a child. Well, no, but attacking a goat. An eagle does not want to attack a goat. Goat is big enough and dangerous enough that an eagle is very rarely going to want to attack a goat. Mm-hmm. But if that eagle is starving and that eagle needs to feed its offspring and the goat is the only thing around, then the eagle's going to try to kill the goat. And it's the same thing with the big cats. They are opportunistic killers. They don't want to attack something unless they can sneak up on it. But if they're hungry and their cubs need food and you are the thing that's there, they will eventually go for you. But a horse won't. Yeah. Right? Horses do eat some protein occasionally and kind of, (laughs) if you want to be horrified, look up horse eats chicken or chick. But, um... But that horse is never going to get mm-hmm. to the point where it attacks you. Now, I think the one exception to this, because in general, I think you're right. Mm. But the one exception is the stupid cantankerous animal that attacks not because it's hungry or because it thinks it can beat you, but because it hates everything. The goose? The hippopotamus. Oh, the hippopotamus. Well, that's why the hippo is definitely on my list of... Yeah. The I hippo, think... I think people are, are wildly underestimating yeah. hippos. It should be the top. Hippos are actually... I learned the most dangerous animal in Africa, responsible for more human deaths than anything else. This is true. I have heard Except this as well. Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, of course, are yes. the deadliest in the world. We're not counting those because that's malaria. But the hippo, hippos are just ornery and they're mean and they're enormous. They're mm-hmm. far faster than people think. Their tusks are so much bigger and sharper than people think. They're multi terrain. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, they're amphibious attack vehicles. They might be the only true multi-terrain animal on this list that can do well on both, right? Because yeah. an alligator, you get an alligator out of the water, and an alligator is not so dangerous anymore. Uh, I would say polar bear. Polar bear. Oh, yeah, polar bear also. Mm-hmm. But, Good and point. polar bear is another one that people are Yeah, it's criminally low. I would have put polar bear above elephant on this list, most likely. Though, I am more likely able to be able to kill an elephant on my own. Than a polar bear. Than a polar bear? Yeah. Because again, the elephant is an herbivore. The elephant, you can just kind of play it cool with it while you build a nice trap. And then you can scare the elephant into the trap. It's going to have to be one monster of a trap. I would rate it Hmm. as I lose that fight. But I think it's conceivable that I beat the elephant. I don't know. The elephant, the thing it has going for it, in addition, of course, to size and strength Mm -hmm. and tusks and all that, elephants are incredibly smart. Yes. They are arguably the smartest animal on this list, including now, the they're gorilla. Not smarter than the great apes. Well, uh, a gorilla, I I think they beat a gorilla, but a chimp, I'll, I'll give you chimp over elephant, maybe. Ooh, we could talk about animal intelligence. Animal intelligence is kind of interesting to me because there's the kind of the pop, which we're doing right now. Which animal is smarter? Yeah. Which, when I've read things by biologists, I was going to say animal scientists, I'm like, yeah, that's... <laughs> By an animal scientist. Animal scientist, biologists, and particularly behaviorists. Mm -hmm. They talk about intelligence being, they talk about it in a different way. In that all animals in some ways are equally intelligent to a lot of these people. Because they are built to survive in their environment. Mm -hmm. And a snake is as intelligent as it's being a snake. Like what does intelligence mean? No animals can do math, right? No animals. There have been some dolphin experiments where they're doing rudimentary math, but I don't know how real that is. The thing is, like, 
there is an argument for certain things. And I actually, I like thinking about it. Like, mm -hmm. what do we mean by animal intelligence? Like, we talk about the mirror test, right? Can an animal recognize itself in a mirror? And for a while, behaviorists would use that as a sign of, is this animal intelligent? But of course, most animals are not using vision as, as their main um, sense, or at least they're not using it as much as humans do. Yeah. And a cat not recognize itself in the mirror means nothing because cats recognize other cats by smelling their butts. And yeah. if you can't smell that other cat, then you're not going to know that that cat is you. And so we find ways to try to prove that animals are intelligent by using metrics by which humans prove intelligence, which is sometimes... Which is yeah. definitely problematic. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of interesting metaphor here, depending on how far out we want to spin it. Yes. Like, you are as smart as you need to be for your own environment. You know, and that said, I've seen some really smart cows and I've seen some really dumb cows. That's true. As we mentioned earlier, I own a macaw. And what a macaw can do is pretty shocking, right? Mm -hmm. As a person who has, you know, cats which are fairly intelligent. Like the fact that my macaw, I mean, learning to speak is pretty cool, right? And learning to know what words mean, but a dog can do that, right? A dog yeah. can't talk back, but most mammals and avians can learn what a word means and yeah. things like that but the fact that he can solve complex puzzles to get food is pretty cool like watching him undo screws and undo locks and figure out how a lock works and then remembering it and bringing him the same lock next time so that he can then unlock that that's pretty cool mm -hmm. people talk about how smart birds are and i love parrots i've always yeah. had parrots i do not see parrots as an owner being smarter than a dog i think dogs are really intelligent the things that dogs can pull off but is it intelligence or is it just trainability or is it like why are dogs more trainable might be because they actually care what we think right yeah well and that's what i think a lot of it comes down to comparing house pets to each other yeah you know a bird is they're incredibly smart when it comes to little fiddly things like that, locks yep. and screws and things. And I think mm -hmm. that's mostly because that's how they get food. Like that's just yes. a skill set they have rather than a general sign of intelligence. What a bird maybe can't do, but mm -hmm. certainly doesn't care about doing is figure out what you want and respond to it. They can actually, not as well as dogs. Yeah. Like birds, so the closest animal to having a parrot is a puppy because birds are social flock animals. And turns out parallel evolution causes certain things to be very similar. When you're a pack animal like a parrot is, they have to pay attention to what the rest of the pack wants. The problem is parrots don't read human facial expressions as well as dogs do, and humans' yeah. tones. It's particularly tones. When you're angry at a dog, it knows that you're angry the way you're speaking. When you're angry at a bird, if you speak loudly, the bird's like, ooh, we're squawking now. I like squawking time. <laughs> and so if you can make the bird understand, birds actually will respond to human emotion because, again, Will, will a bird anticipate things that you need or want the Not way a dog will? like a dog will. Like yeah. That's the thing about dogs. You add on top of that thousands of years of side-by-side -side evolution. Basically, I mean, basically, you're talking about domestication. Domestication, but that word gets thrown around, and I don't really like how people talk about it. This is a, a pet peeve of mine, right? Mm -hmm. If you were to find an animal 
that was already adapted to living with humans just by its natural environment. That animal is not domesticated, but would make a better pet than a domesticated animal. So when people are like, you don't want that pet because it's not domesticated. Domestication is simply the process of making an animal through our purposeful breeding more advantageous to human beings. And so an animal that, if you can just imagine this, if you had a magical scale of one to 100, how good this animal is to a human. If you took an animal that was 1% and you made it a 2% through breeding, that animal's been domesticated to an extent. Yeah. If you take an animal that's a 50% and don't change it, that animal has not been domesticated. But I want to hang out with the 50% animal, <laughs> not the 2% animal, if that makes any sense. That does make sense, but I I don't know if that's how it works. I don't either. I'm just kind of talking. But now, either you... way, dogs are like a 60% that are now a 98%. Now, have you heard about the domestication gene? Yeah, I have actually. And the whole Russian fox Yeah, experiment. the Russian fox here is really cool. So they, they did this with generations and generations of Russian foxes where they basically had a bunch of women who raised hundreds of foxes yep. and then they interbred the ones who were the nicest. And over several generations, just breeding nice foxes with other nice foxes, they started physically resembling dogs. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. Though they are both very closely related. So yeah, there I mean, is and they already have that. And I think mm. that's why that latent appearance was in there and unlockable. There's a really cool video on YouTube that I watched about this. And I don't know if Adam will be able to find it for the liner notes or not. <laughs> but if he can, maybe he will. Where one of the breeders in this program is showing kind of the difference between what their efforts have done. And mm -hmm. what they do is they've got a pen and they bring in a feral fox of the same, you know, the same breed and that has not been touched. And they put it in and then a human being comes in and sits in a circle in the center of the enclosure. And that feral fox just hides, right? It is terrified. It will not appear. And then they bring in one of their domesticated foxes and they're like, all right, here's the domesticated fox. The human comes in, then they let the fox in and this fox kind of walks around the human for a while and then comes up and sniffs the human and then lets the human pet the fox. It takes a few minutes. And they're like, mm -hmm. see what we've done. Now, here's a dog. And they open the door and the dog goes, oh, human, and bounds over and jumps on the person and is licking them and is excited. And mm -hmm. it's just kind of a nice little visualization <laughs> of what thousands of years of doing this has done. There is no animal like a dog. Yeah. Like, hands down. And I have to, like, even seeing the ape stuff, I'm like, Dogs are smarter by the way we term intelligence, meaning, like you're saying, being able to anticipate a human's needs, mm -hmm. being able to be trained in the way that the service animal dogs, the things they can do are mind-blowing. Yeah, and absolutely. I consider that even cooler as a parent lover than the fact <laughs> that my parrot can say, use the force, and then hold up his hand and try, you know, to use the force, which is pretty cool. But all he wants is you to hand him a treat. That's yeah. why he's putting his hand up. So let's talk about maybe some different measures of intelligence then. Because I do want to go back to elephants. There are strong signs that elephants have not just culture, but religion. Yes. And they, you know, things like language and everything, that's already right. very impressive. I will mention the whole painting elephants thing is kind of a scam. Like, they yeah. don't actually paint that one. But what you're talking about is real. Yeah. If you look up, do elephants have religion online? You're going to find a lot of really hokey science. Yes. But there are kernels of good science hiding underneath it. 
And I don't know why that particularly, there's absolutely people listening thinking, oh, well, if elephants have religion, that's a sign that they're dumber than we thought they were. <laughs> but something about that, the, the sophistication of intelligence that you need in order to have culture right. and religion and these very complex social systems. Yeah. I'm I, not completely there yeah. with you on the religion one. But mm -hmm. the stuff about how they mourn the dead and remember the dead and the way that they have cultural interactions and these sorts of things are really fascinating. Dolphins along the same sort of lines. I don't know if I can immediately translate in, that into, and therefore an elephant can beat you in a fight. Yes. But I, I think they're smarter than you might be giving them credit for. Speaking of language, though, mm -hmm. two weeks ago, three weeks ago, there was this big thing that came out. People have been trying to understand cetacean communication for a long yes. time whales and dolphins and all of that stuff but a few weeks ago there was announced the beginning of a concerted dedicated well-financed effort to literally just decipher and translate whale communication hmm. to the point that we can understand what they're saying and reproduce it and i was surprised that the article was focusing on sperm whales because hmm. I, you know... Yeah, you always hear orcas. I assumed it would have been an orca or a humpback, but sperm whales is where they decided to start, which yeah. I think is really interesting. Yeah. But the big aquatic animals are not really on here, with the exception of the walrus, which for some reason is really, really low on the list. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could take a walrus. I think you could lay a trap for a walrus, trap it, and stab it in the face, and it would still kill you. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the issue is when you get to the animal with that much blubber, like that's part of the problem with the elephant mm -hmm. is the thickness of the skin starts to make my rocks really ineffective, right? Yeah. And so if I can't drop that elephant far enough to break its leg and trap it and starve it, then I'm in real trouble. And the walrus, part of the problem with the walrus is also, and I know a lot of walruses are on ice sheets. That's not where they're all living. Yeah. But they're living in a rocky and wet environment. I don't know, like, can I lay a trap for a walrus that a walrus can't get out of? I can't dig in the same way because they're not just crossing the earth. They're out yeah. on the rocks and things like this. They are close to the water. Can I maybe make a rope strong enough that I can wrap that walrus i don't know that i can yeah just out of nothing like i could probably make a spear but can i make a spear that can actually damage a walrus me brandon sanderson mm -hmm. i don't know that if i can, can damage the walrus yes. enough to incapacitate it before it yes. gets to you by the way this is all triggering me i don't think you should be able to bring up walruses in a conversation together uh because of walrusa Tus tuscaloosa the walrusian yes tuscaloosa the walrusian who I wouldn't even remember, except you had wrote that essay. So now I always think of it. <laughs> so way back in college, we had a game review website. And one of the games, was this a game we got to review or was this just a game we this played? This was one of my favorites from childhood. Was it Gamma and so Rotters? It was Gamma Rotters. Yeah. And so I bought a copy of it for us to review because mm -hmm. I just love Gamma Rotters. Yeah. And it was this board game that was about like post-apocalyptic animal monsters yes. trying to fight each other? Basically animal kaiju, right? Yeah. And I was Tuscaloosa, the Walrusian. And this is where I learned early on in our relationship that you do not lie to Brandon, even if you're playing a board game. 
because I promised an alliance so that we could take somebody out. And then I broke that alliance. And he wrote a very nice essay. It said it wasn't me. It was Tuscaloosa the Walrusian. Tuscaloosa the Walrusian who betrayed mm-hmm. you. It was not me. So I frankly don't even know why you're bringing it up. Well, it's still triggering to me, right? The Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Tuscaloosa once, once betrayed, betrayed you. me. And so I might go extra horrible. for that walrus in a way that I might not, you know. You and that walrus have baggage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Before we leave this list, I want to see if there's anything else I think is wildly out of place. Okay. I think the walrus is way too low. Hippo is way too low. Hippo, even though it's like... I think yeah. hippos should be at the top of the list. Yeah. Because it'll kill you just out of spite. I do think moose and buffalo are maybe lower than they deserve to be, yeah. just for the durability reason. Yeah. Also, moose would, and buffalo are a lot more ornery than people think they are. I would rather fight a cheetah by far than a moose or a buffalo. Oh, no question. I don't think it's so much that buffalo is low as cheetah is way yeah, higher. Yeah, on this than one, it cheetah is a 56%, and a cheetah is kind of a glorified house cat. And so, what about king cobra? That's a really interesting one. King Cobra and Anaconda both. Right. Anacondas are not that dangerous. Anacondas have this perception in the... It's because of the movie. Yeah, I'm sure it's because of the movie. And because they are the biggest snake, and any big snake can be dangerous, but I think that anacondas... Don't quote me on this. I think they're generally less dangerous than the large pythons and things. I don't actually know. That if you record actual human deaths to them, but mm-hmm. that's probably going to be hard to actually determine because much fewer people have anacondas than have the large pythons as pets. Mm -hmm. So statistically, I don't know. Regardless, King Cobra, what do you think of a King Cobra? It's definitely the most dangerous of the snakes on this list. For some reason, given your parameters Mm -hmm. of give me time and, and, you know, a lever and a place to stand, uh, I'm imagining all of these as one-on-one fights where the Klingons beam you mm-hmm. and the animal down, Captain Kirk and yes. Gorn style, yep. and just say, okay, who wins? Hunger Games. Yeah. And so I think in that context, I don't know about the Cobra. I think the Cobra is one of the easiest to beat. Really? Yeah, because it takes very small rocks to get a Cobra, right? Oh, stick. Um, <laughs> and... Again, I don't know if I'm going to see the cobra coming. Maybe I'm underestimating uh, my own... The cobra doesn't want to kill you. The cobra does not want to hurt you. The cobra wants you to stay far away from it. It is super dangerous. They are actually legit dangerous, even though they're Mm -hmm. not actually cobras. As I understand, king cobras aren't cobras. they're the king of the cobras. They're not cobras themselves. There you go. They're fascist dictators. I think, like, it takes me 30 seconds to beat the cobra. I don't have to dig a pit. I don't have to do anything. I just got to find... The biggest rock that I can hurl in a reasonable speed and back up and just start throwing rocks at that thing. Okay. You know, I guess if it can escape, then I don't know how that counts for a win, but... Well, and we got to consider maybe terrain at this point. Yeah. Like, how far away from it can you get? How good of a line of sight do you have on it during this process? But I think mostly, if you drop right next to the Cobra, it's going to hood up, it's going to rear back, it's not going to strike immediately because, once again, you are way more dangerous than it is. And if it mm-hmm. can scare you off, then it's going to be way happier about its life. If you surprise it, it might strike. But I think even if you're within striking distance, it is going to statistically not going to try to attack the human until the human doesn't back off. And the human backs off. It's like, oh, good. And then it gets hit by a rock. And <laughs> its brain is unable to conceive the fact that this thing is using the terrain against it like you know batman had to learn so 
let's take a, a minute here to look at this. Who thinks they can beat the animal in a fight? Part okay. of the list. Mm-hmm. There's no parameters given, but I do kind of suspect that most people who answered these questions were thinking that this is just a one-on-one cage match and that you are unarmed. So it might not be following your rules. And frankly, maybe that's the reason that these lists are so wonky is because nobody really knew what they were voting on. Yeah, I mean, it obviously is, right? But even in a cage match, I mean, can I climb the cage? If I'm in a cage and I can climb the cage, like, can I get some of those bars loose? Yeah, yeah. maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If there's a horse in there that really wants me dead, I don't know if I can... The horse can't get you if you climb. Wait, like how big's the cage? Um, I guess that's a question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, let's look at the gender discrepancy yes. one. Mm-hmm. Because with grizzly bear, six percent of women, seven percent of men think, "Yeah, I can take that grizzly bear," and they're probably thinking like you are, right? Like, give me time and let me dig a big pit and cover it, put some punji stakes at the bottom, and and we're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I'm just coming up with, you know, you have to assume your own rules. I could just create a rudimentary lathe. (laughs) Because I don't think I could take a grizzly. Like, I think for these rules, you have to, like, be beamed down, and the grizzly's like, oh, uh, well, that thing looks like food. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing here. I'm going to have to fight it at some point. I think we have to assume that eventually it's going to want to fight you as much as you're going to want to fight it. Maybe just because you won't shut up. Did you hear, by the way, that the hijacker, this news came out of South Carolina a couple days ago. There was a guy who hijacked with a gun a school bus and said, okay, you're going to take me home. I'm in the next town over. It's 20 Mm -hmm. miles away. And he made it four miles before he got off the bus and said, screw this. I'm just going to walk because all the kindergartners on the bus wouldn't stop asking him questions. <laughs> and as a father of children, I know uh, you have been in that mm. position where you're like, you know what? It's easier for me to just get out and walk than I assume this road that trip. Uh, he did get arrested, though. I do. I do believe so he did. You could say he got busted. <laughs> so I'm just gonna annoy this grizzly bear till it attacks me. So the first big discrepancy that we get is actually the king cobra. of women think they could beat a king cobra in a fight versus 23% of men. Mm. That's fairly wide range Mm -hmm. there. I think the widest range is medium-sized dog. 39% of women, 60% of men are like, I could totally take that medium-sized dog. You could take a medium-sized dog? I do think I could. Yeah, I think that absolutely I could. I don't know if I could. Mm -hmm. But I know that I think that I could. Right. Like, I think if I was actually genuinely rushed by a dog that Mm -hmm. had death on its mind and thought I was delicious, I might lose the fight. I think I would be horribly injured. Yeah. But I would come out ahead. I think most adult humans would be able to. Not, obviously not all, but when you read about deaths by dogs, it's usually not adult humans. And... Mm -hmm. If it is, it's probably a larger and um, perhaps strangely trained, shall I say, dog. If it's your average medium-sized dog, yeah. then... Well, and we've all seen like the videos of you know police dogs and stuff, yes. but those are trained to yes. get you on the ground. Yep. That's what they've been taught And what to is do. a medium-sized dog to you, Dan? Because if you are, I guess it's like mean and median stuff. I've seen how small dogs get. Like, I've seen... 
like full grown, but chihuahuas that mm-hmm. like are smaller than a loaf They're of bread. Still like handbag yes. sized. And so to me, like those German shepherds, those are large dogs. Those are the smaller large dogs. That's not a medium sized dog. Bulldog is like medium sized dog. See, medium sized dog, I would I've got two boxers. Mm-hmm. I would peg them as medium sized. Oh, boxers? I would call them large dogs. Well, large dogs, uh, I've got a friend who's got a service dog who is mm-hmm. at the shoulder higher than this table. Uh-huh. He is a monster. And so if that's the big thing and a chihuahua is the little one, right. boxers are in the middle of that range. I think they're like the 75% mark. So I guess they could be the largest of the medium or the <laughs> smallest of the large. I don't know. But also one of the problems is I think that a medium-sized dog, as I'm talking myself through it, might be more dangerous. Like More dangerous than a big dog? Yeah, like a St. Bernard's just not as dangerous, I think, as a boxer could be. Yeah. Well, not my boxers. Mm. And in my experience, boxers in general are great big babies. And they're the not aggressive. Are also whereas very... against a German Shepherd, a Belgian Shepherd, mm-hmm. something like that, they are significantly larger than my boxers, and they have much bigger teeth, and they just look scarier. Mm. And actual wolves, which are a totally different yes animal, they are so much bigger than people think they are. Yep. That is another thing that I am familiar with, which I am familiar. Oh, hanging prepositions. What's your feeling on uh, hanging prepositions, dangling prepositions, Dan? Um, I think that, uh, what's the quote? This is the kind of pedantic nonsense up with which I will not put. <laughs> I have read that, yeah. I kind of hate that my mind is trained. I fix dangling prepositions without even thinking about it. And I'm a linguistic descriptivist. I think that what is used and what is understood is what is correct. Mm-hmm. But my fingers will not let me leave a it's, dangling preposition. Yeah, it's still hard. One of the worst ones for me is at. Uh-huh. I cannot end a sentence with yeah. at. Uh, yeah. I actually, in one of my old jobs, back when I had jobs, our manager, that was one of his least favorite things was if you say, where are you at? Or where is it at? Drove him up the wall. So one time when he was out on a business trip, every single person in the office within the space of about 15 minutes called him to ask where he was at. And uh, he got really mad at us. There's a sentence though, since we're talking about prepositions, that Peter told me, which is... This is my um, editorial director, Peter. This is your editor, Peter. There's a kid who wants a bedtime story, and so his dad brings a book upstairs to read to him, and the kid says, why did you bring the book I don't want to be read to out of up for? Which is like as many mm-hmm. dangling prepositions as you can get, I but think. But we understood it perfectly well. Yeah, we did. And that's part of the problem with all of this is if it's, if it's intelligible, which is also my argument for the Oxford comma, because if you leave it off, it becomes unintelligible. Well... Sometimes there's corner yes, cases for that are. too. Yeah. With prepositions, there are some that don't bother me. Like of, I'll end a sentence with of mm. all the time. Like, you know, I don't want to be read to out of mm-hmm. the book out of which I do not want to be read. Like that sounds insane. And nobody wants to talk like that. People want you to talk like that, but they don't want to do it themselves. Okay. So the animal we haven't really talked about yet is the kangaroo. Mm. That's on both lists. Yep. 
11% of women and 17% of men think they could take a kangaroo in a fight. I have seen that video that they have a picture of on this thing where the guy punches the kangaroo in the face mm -hmm. and the kangaroo is not liking it. And that makes me think, hmm, you know. I mean, I think kangaroos fall into my horse argument. If you want to go get in a fist fight with a horse or a kangaroo, <laughs> then I don't know that you're then going that to win. Is your funeral. But I think that a kangaroo is just going to watch me worriedly as I lay a trap for it or collect a bunch of rocks and or climb a tree with a very large rock. Mm -hmm. And I think that I beat the kangaroo pretty easily. Probably. I don't know. I've never, you know, been face to face with an actual kangaroo. So I don't know. I have been. They are very lazy. Well, um, and they're a lot smaller than we think they are. I mean, there are there are bigger ones. There are but bigger on ones. On average. On average, yeah. They're like, smaller. But they've got those huge fists like in the Tom and Jerry cartoons. They do have those huge. <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe what this is coming down to for me is which animals are smart enough to watch you building a trap, figure out what you're up to, and then outwit you. And mm -hmm. I think maybe elephant might be the only one. Elephant, arguably gorilla, certainly chimpanzee. Orangutans could probably figure it out, but... See, I don't think any of those beat you. I think the ones that just are like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, well, I'm going to eat you while you do that. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that, that beat me. If it wants to eat and or stomp me to the ground, in the case of the hippo, while I'm trying to even get away from it, like if I can get away from it long enough to prepare, then it's dead. Yeah. But if I can't, then I am dead. What I really want to know is what are the ideal testing conditions for this? Like if we were alien scientists and we came to Earth and said, wow, this planet is fascinating. I want to know the relative lethality of all of its inhabitants. How would we properly test it? Would we do it Gorn style? We would just drop them into an environment? No, I think Super Smash Brothers melee competition is probably <laughs> how you handle it. You know, and you talked about how animals are smart within their own sphere of influence. And we haven't really talked about terrain either. Because, like, if you put me in a jungle with a jaguar... I think he's going to beat me. Yeah. But I think, if you put me in a desert with a jaguar, I think I win. Yeah. I was just kind of going under the assumption that we are in the animal's terrain because humans live in all terrains. Yeah. We are the most terrain adaptable species on the planet that is not a microorganism, I believe. So a jungle is human terrain, right? Yeah. But... I think the jaguar's chances of beating me go way up as well because it's an animal that can get height advantage on me. And if it can get height advantage, I mean, the documentary series about Anakin Skywalker shows us that a height advantage is just absolutely insurmountable. <laughs> Unovercomable. Well, there you are. Anytime you run across something like that, Dan, I think, <laughs> I think that we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>